Hmm, I will email this to you instead and maybe narrate it to you. I'm Chris Chang and Phillips, Edmonton's Historian Laureate, and this is Let's Find Out, a monthly podcast about the history of Edmonton, Alberta. Each episode, I find people with questions about local history, and then we find out the answers together. Except this is not that. This isn't a full episode, just a little update on the last one, the clan query. We found out a little bit more. Okay, quick recap. Rebecca Jade asked whether it was possible to put a plaque up where the Ku Klux Klan used to publish a newspaper in Edmonton. It was called The Liberator. In that episode, we went to the site where the KKK and the Liberator had offices back in the 1930s, downtown, just south of the modern-day Weston Hotel. The address was 10105 100th Street. But the building has been demolished. Now, it's a little tough to describe the geography of this block on a podcast, but basically, that address doesn't exist anymore. 10105 100th Street sounds like the kind of address that would be right on a corner. But on one corner, you've got the Weston now, with a higher street number. On the other corner, you've got the World Trade Center, with Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. And the World Trade Center's address is 9990 Jasper Ave. So the Liberator's old address points to nothing these days. I guessed that that meant that the old building was somewhere in the middle, where there's just a parking lot now. Well, as they said in Jurassic Park, hold on to your butts. I posted that episode to the Historic Edmonton and Northern Alberta Facebook group, a very, very active group of wonderful history nerds. And right away, a member named Don Valentine, she posted a picture of that block from 1930, right around the time the Liberator was published. She said, perhaps the building is shown in this pic? And behind the old post office, where the Weston is now, you can see a short building and a tall building in the background. It's hard to tell what's what. Then another member, Brent Welch, said, when the address was mentioned as being 10105 100th Street, I had my doubts about it being what's now a parking lot. So Brent looked up the old Henderson's directory for 1933. Henderson's, remember, are these amazing directories of addresses, names, and phone numbers that let you search by address and see what names were listed there. You can search a lot of them online through the University of Alberta's Peel's Prairie Provinces collection. So he looked backwards from the address and found out the building name. Ready for this? It was listed as the Imperial Bank Chambers. In other words, sort of an annex slash office building within the Imperial Bank of Canada building right on Jasper Ave. Brent figures the Imperial Bank Chambers, where the clan had their offices, got a separate address because there was a side door that faced a different street. The building was basically where the World Trade Center is now, actually. Maybe spilling a little bit onto the current parking lot. Oh, and I feel like this whole mini-update is just me saying, hey, you know that thing that you know? It used to be this. Well, you know CIBC, right? The Imperial Bank of Canada was one of the two banks that combined to form CIBC. So, somehow, someone at that bank thought it was acceptable to rent office space to a white supremacist organization and their newspaper in the 1930s in Edmonton. I looked back into William Peter Berrigan's book tonight, The Ku Klux Klan in Central Alberta, to try to make sense of J.J. Maloney's final days as leader of the Klan here back in the 1930s. 
people keep asking me, when was The Liberator published? And there's an implicit second question there. When did the KKK stop publishing it? Well, according to Bergen, the group basically wound down in 1933 when J.J. Maloney was being accused of incredibly bad financial management of the Klan and then found guilty of conspiracy and theft of legal documents. It's a bizarre case. He broke into a legal office to find out more about some other charges against him. He spent a couple months in jail. Even the Klan distanced themselves from him. He was charismatic enough to attract crowds of hundreds to his speeches around Alberta. But on top of all that legal trouble, Bergen speculates that the Klan abandoned Maloney because he was becoming pettier and pettier, chasing personal vendettas, waging a crusade against the Roman Catholic Church he felt had personally injured him. In the fall of 1933, there was a big farewell banquet for him at the Hotel MacDonald, and then he moved to BC. The Klan basically wound down then until the 1970s. It was a pathetic end. But don't let that make you underestimate the danger of the movement he helped lead here. It doesn't seem to be the content of their anti-foreigner and anti-Catholic rhetoric that led to their downfall. It was their tone. There are a lot of hateful ideas we'll buy into if they're dressed up in polite sentences and polite names. White nationalism, the alt-right. In his book, Bergen says... Quote, Ironically, the more paranoid, incompetent, insincere, or even slightly unbalanced Maloney is made to appear by our narrative, the stronger grows its central argument, namely, that some Albertans would follow any kind of clan leader, regardless of how inept he was, because we did not need the clan to plant seeds of racial and religious bigotry. Our past endowed us with both. Unquote. This is still intensely disturbing. And it's even more disturbing now, honestly, in the days since Donald Trump was elected U.S. president. So many white supremacist organizations are standing taller right now, both in Canada and the States. Groups that think our countries should only be for white people, that they were only ever for white people. I can't figure out if they've never heard of the Cree people, or Blackfoot, or Nakota Sioux, or Métis. These groups are finding followers again. White people who find it appealing to see themselves as dominators, as conquerors. People who don't want to feel ashamed of being white. I get that. Nobody wants to live out a story where they're the bad guys, where they should feel guilty all the time. So we need a new story for what place we all fit into. What we have to offer. Where we belong. As Tom King said, The truth about stories is, that's all we are. That's it for now. I'll be back next week with a full episode. Thanks again to Don Valentine and Brent Welch for their research help. Thanks also to Rebecca Jade for her question that started this whole thing. And thanks to you for listening. I've posted those pictures of the Imperial Bank Chambers on our website, letsfindoutpodcast.com. You can drop me a line at chris at letsfindoutpodcast.com. And you can listen to all our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, and letsfindoutpodcast.com. Okay. Until next time, keep your questions coming.